Hello, my lovely. This is the Anxious Entrepreneur Podcast, and I am Carrie Lemansky Straub, the chief weirdo around here. What I know to my core is this. Women with anxiety create some of the most incredible businesses on the internet, and that it also comes with unique challenges. This podcast is designed to give you business mentorship and strategies, plus anxiety tips and tools as well. I'm just like you, and I have so much to teach you. And sometimes I'm even funny and full of sweary sarcasm. So if that is your jam, please subscribe, rate on Apple, and come back every Wednesday for the latest and greatest. Now let's get to the show. Hello, my lovely. How are you today? I hope you are having a good day so far. I know I start every single episode the same way. Because I'm always wondering how you are. So it is so good to be back with you today. And what's so funny about this episode and the discussion I want to have with you is I've realized that I have never in this podcast distinguished the difference between anxiety and high functioning anxiety. The words are not interchangeable necessarily. They share similar um, traits at times, but they are two completely different things. And I'm like, I need to tell my lady squad the difference, what the difference is between these two. So the discussion we're going to have today is going to be about each one and how they look in five different areas of life. So why don't we just get to it? The first one is the level of functioning. So as far as level of functioning, if you have anxiety, which is the diagnosis of anxiety, you might struggle with daily tasks and responsibilities because of symptoms, and it can lead to difficulty in maintaining personal relationships, careers, and other aspects of your day-to-day life. So that is anxiety as the diagnosis. High-functioning anxiety is different. In this area, those with high-functioning anxiety will often appear to be very successful, extremely well-adjusted, and as if they are able to manage their daily responsibilities, their day-to-day tasks, despite their anxiety. And here's an interesting one for us entrepreneurs who have high-functioning anxiety, is that this anxiety may even drive us to be overachievers. In certain areas. Does that resonate with you at all? (laughs) One or the other of these things is going to resonate more with you. So you're going to understand more which, I guess, camp you fall into. So the number two area that I wanted to point out and talk about is the visibility of symptoms. With Standard anxiety, the symptoms are things like excessive worry, irritability, restlessness, but 
these things are more apparent to other people. People on the outside can see how this looks, how it manifests in you. They literally can tell that you are having anxiety. But with high-functioning anxiety, the difference is, is that the symptoms are often hidden or as women, we internalize them. And it makes it difficult for others to recognize that we're in a struggle. So we're also hyper-independent, which means we will not ask for help. I think I said it um, in an interview that I did that I would rather, at, at certain points in my life, I'd rather run a untrained for marathon than ask for help at certain points in my life. That's how hard it can be for people with high-functioning anxiety to ask for help because we think that if we ask for help, that, that that means something's wrong with us, right? So that is the difference in the visibility of the symptoms. The third area is coping mechanisms. What are the difference between the coping mechanisms of standard anxiety as compared to what is considered high-functioning anxiety? And before I continue on, high-functioning anxiety can come from several different things. It doesn't necessarily only come from anxiety or a history of anxiety in your household. It can come from ADHD. There's high-functioning ADHD. And high-functioning anxiety can definitely be part of that. Um, You can have trauma as a child, and that can cause this high-functioning ADHD or high-functioning need to succeed, to be perfect, to to fit in, to make sure everything looks good. Um, You may have been a more shy or quiet child. And there are other elements that come to play when high-functioning anxiety is at play. So know that high-functioning anxiety isn't just a, it isn't a medical diagnosis like anxiety is. It is a series and a set of traits that are recognized by therapists, even though it's not in the diagnostic manual, that this is very real. And this happens to a lot of people and women especially because we internalize the shit out of it. That's the difference is that is not easily seen on the outside. So I wanted to give that little caveat before I continued on. So coping mechanisms. So the difference between the standard anxiety and high functioning is that people with anxiety might employ various coping mechanisms, and some of which can be very unhealthy, such as avoidance, substance abuse, isolation, um, just not wanting to be around people in general, hiding um, from whatever is going on so that they don't have to deal with it. That way, they don't have to cope with it. Not coping with something is a coping mechanism. <laughs> So I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it's true. And with high-functioning anxiety, individuals will develop coping strategies that allow them to still maintain 
their high level of functionality, but it looks more like excessive planning, over-preparation, perfectionism. And these strategies will take a toll on mental health overall. Because as we've talked about many times, perfectionism isn't real. Uh, it is a unattainable goal. And it is a way also to, that leads to procrastination because if perfection isn't real and we're trying to be perfect, that means it won't get done, whatever it is we want to do. So that means we're pro- procrastinating by utilizing perfectionism. Does that make sense? So sometimes people with high-functioning anxiety will show up two and a half hours early to something because they want to make sure that nothing gets in the way. You know, they are perfectly on time. They'll arrive at the airport 10 hours before they need to be there. And I know that sounds funny, but like, I'm literally not joking. They will show up excessively early. And what happens is that's a leak of time. So even though they're trying to be functioning and trying to run things smoothly, that's a humongous time leak, especially if you have a lot of different places to be and you're showing up two hours early here and two hours early there. Think about all the time that you're losing in that high functioning anxiety because of that issue. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just something I want to point out because it might not be something you've thought of, that you're leaking your precious time. And time is something we cannot get back. So trying to find a different way to still have a plan in place that feels comfortable to you, but that is not taking away so much time that you're not able to run your business appropriately because you don't have enough time to get to the things that you need to do to move your needle forward. So that that's kind of more in the business area of that. So doing these things, the excessive planning and the perfectionism and the over-prepping, it really does take a toll on your brain. It's exhausting having to plan so much and be so prepared for things that may never even come to fruition. So I just wanted to point that out, that it can take a toll on your true, um, on your mental health as a whole, because we are talking about whole humans here. You are a whole human with many different parts and facets. And one of those facets is your mental health. We all have mental health. Some have mental health issues, but mental health is a part of everybody's life. Okay. On to the next, perception by others. So one of the things that people with anxiety and high-functioning anxiety worry about is what other people think of them. Now, I would say a lot of people in life worry about what people think of them. Are they judging me? Why are they looking at me like that? Oh my gosh, I just said something. I bet you they think I'm stupid. Like, we're very highly critical of ourselves and We have low compassion for ourselves and high compassion for others, and we need to um, create some equity there. We need to create more self-compassion and not less compassion for others, but just be as compassionate towards ourselves as we would be towards someone else. 
that's just a little <laughs> side tip um, from your favorite coach and, and mentor here. But the perception by others of people with anxiety, they might notice the impact of anxiety on your life. And they'll recognize that you're struggling. It'll be written on your face. It'll be very apparent that something is happening inside of you and you can't hide it. It's, it's out there. There is no poker face for that. With high-functioning anxiety, due to the outward appearance of success, individuals with high-functioning anxiety may not receive the same level of understanding, the same level of support, or even empathy from other people. Because they do not recognize the depth of the struggle that you are having inside of your mind. Why? Because you don't show it outwardly. Outwardly, you walk through the day with that perfectly fitted mask, making sure that God forbid anybody or their brother sees that on the inside, you feel like a hot ass mess. You do not want anyone to see that. You want people to continue to believe that you are high functioning. And so it, it means that other people may not lean in to you to help you get support. Whereas people with more of an outward showing anxiety might get a little more empathy or a little more recognition that they're struggling and may have more people around them who are willing to be there and help. And since we don't like to ask for help as high-functioning people, the depth of our struggle lives inside of us and nobody knows it. And then because of (laughs) being, you know, people who don't want to ask for help, it can make it even worse because people don't recognize we're having a problem. So we're not getting that extra help. And then we turn around and we're not asking for that help either. So it's like this double-edged sword. And lastly, performing in professional settings. And this is a really interesting one. With anxiety, in some cases, it can hinder performance at work. So missing deadlines, lower productivity, strained relationship with colleagues, you know, just having a general difficult time doing your day-to-day tasks. And I have a story about this that I'll get to once I've finished with this last item here. Um, Whereas high-functioning anxiety, here's what's fun. Not fun, fun, but what's interesting. Those with high-functioning anxiety tend to excel in their professional lives and often push themselves even harder to achieve even more. Achievement means success, means you're okay, means there's nothing wrong with you, so you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. 
and you wonder why you're so tired, but you don't care because you just keep pushing. Because if you keep pushing, you're going to keep achieving. And if you keep achieving, that means you're all right. You're good to go. The thing is, this type of drive for success can also exacerbate anxiety and lead to the B word, burn out, what I call the face plant. The face plant happens a lot to women who are high-functioning, anxious humans. And like I said, this high-functioning anxiety can come from many different places, and it is not in the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Disorders. And I've read a few articles, several articles actually, that are um, discussing maybe um, having it put in to the next edition. But if you go online and you type into Dr. Google, (laughs) high-functioning anxiety, you're going to see articles from therapists. You're going to see articles from all kinds of different resources and sources that are medically backed and things like this that talk about the fact that high-functioning anxiety is a very real thing. And when it comes to us as entrepreneurs, here's the funny story I'm going to tell you. I, for my whole working career, have had a few desk jobs. Now, I may have told this story before, but it feels really, really relevant here. So performance in professional settings, this last piece that I've been chatting with you about here, it can hinder work performance, miss deadlines, decrease productivity, strains in relationships with colleagues. So I've usually not underperformed, but I have had a hard time sitting from eight to five and from you know, trying to figure out with the type of brain I have, how I'm supposed to make it all work. And the hilarious thing about my life is a majority of the desk jobs that I've had have laid me off, not fired, laid me off because I could do a little bit more than just the basics because... I have high-functioning anxiety, right? (laughs) So I'm going to do whatever I can and achieve as much as I can. So I still had that piece, even in the professional environment of the desk job. But what's funny was I kept getting laid off. And they've always said, you've done great work. It's just that either we're closing the firm or we're closing the department or, you know, it was never anything that I had done. And the final time this happened to me, I realized that what I call the frying pan of love, which is where like the universe hits you over the head with something that you, you, you need to hear, but you don't quite listen up every time. <laughs> the final time I was like, I'm not supposed to be at a desk job. I'm supposed to create a life that works for my brain that also brings me in income 
but also creates the kind of impact that I want to have in the world. And I did not feel like I could create impact by sitting and being somebody who helped in the hearing aid department of CVS. I had so much more to give to share with women. And I also knew that mental health had to be an aspect. And I didn't know at the time how that was all going to work out. But that's what makes me a different coach and mentor than all the rest. And I just recently did an episode talking about the difference between a coach and a mentor. Coach is someone who sits and listens and holds space. Mentor is somebody who gives you, um, helps you with ideas, leads you in the right direction, helps you with networking, things like that. My coaching, I do both. Some days someone will come in and last thing they want to do is talk about business. They need to talk about something else. It's their time. It's their session. I'll do whatever they need. If they need space to be held, I will do it. If they need to know four different VAs they can interview, I can find those. So I have this double set of qualifications. I am certified as a life coach, actually. Um, and I utilize both things in my coaching and mentorship. But what I want you to know is that I work with women with anxiety and high-functioning anxiety. High-functioning anxiety tends to be my specialty because that is more of where I have functioned from. But there have been times where I've had more of my standard anxiety just (laughs) show up, you know, that feeling of like outwardly not able to hold it in. And one more interesting thing about people with high-functioning anxiety And this was something I learned when I was doing some market research one time. Somebody who is very successful said something and I was kind of shook because I was like, wow, I would not have even thought of that specific thing. That's why I do market research. And what they said was they feared losing their anxiousness because that's part of what helps them stay successful. Isn't that wild? So we don't want to lose that drive. We don't want to lose that desire to achieve and to be the best that we can. But the reason I became the kind of coach I did was because nobody else is putting mental health first. When I help you build your business, Mental health is the number one top piece. I can give you all of the information and everything that you need and point you in all the right directions for you to grow that business and for you to take it to another level and still keep your sanity. It doesn't have to be hustle, hustle, hustle culture. You can have time back and more money and impact. That is a real thing. And it is not only possible. I've watched it happen over and over and over again. So I wanted to just share the difference between these two things because I couldn't believe that I 
literally have not shared the difference between these two things and felt that it was critical at this point that I do that so that you know what each one looks like. You know maybe where you fall. You may have anxiety and not even realize it. I had a friend who heard me speaking about anxiety and realized, oh my gosh, that's me. Went to her doctor and her doctor was like, yeah, no, it's not supposed to be this way 24-7, 365. And she got help. That's why I talk about it. That's why I'm carried out loud. That's why I'm open. That's why I will tell you anything when it comes to my mental health. And I will be fully transparent and tell you the ways that I can help you be better inside of your head and treat yourself better because then you will have more impact. And that income comes along with impact. And with that, we are done for the day. (laughs) I hope that you loved this episode. If you loved this topic, I would love for you to take a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories and talk about what you loved about it. Share so that other women like you who are in business who may not know about this podcast may find it and find something that is great about it for them. So I appreciate that so much when you take the time to do that. And I just wanted you to know that I see you, I love you, and I'm rooting for you always. And you are my favorite weirdos. So have the best day. Bye. Wow, you're here at the outro. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Anxious Entrepreneur. I appreciate you so much. And if you have a question or there's something you heard today that really struck a chord about this episode, shoot me a DM on Instagram or send a message through my website. It's listed in the show notes. Also, if you are loving this podcast, can you please leave me a little love note on Apple in the form of a review and a five-star rating? It's just a little bit to ask. It'll help me get this podcast out to more women who are just like us. Be sure to subscribe, like, and share, and all that jazz. And I'm so happy that you came today. I cannot wait for you to come back each week for a brand new episode. See you next time. Bye.